In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them, or no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of the Christ child. And Father, we thank you so much for the gift of redemption through your son, Jesus, who you chose to save the world through. And Father God, we thank you so much that those of us who are gathered here today can say that we have the hope of heaven because of what you did by sending Jesus to this earth to die for us, to take our sins away, and to provide for us an eternity in heaven with you. God, on this Christmas in 2016, I pray that you would lead us and guide us. I pray that we would be attuned to your Holy Spirit working in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God, may you spur us on to reach out to those who may not know you, to reach out to those who may not have a church home, who may be displaced and, and lost and Father God, I pray that we would be people who take seriously, even in these last few days, as we head towards Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, God, I pray that we would take seriously the role that the angels filled that day in announcing your son's birth. 
Be with us now. Holy Spirit, may you lead us and you guide us. God, may you work in us. May you pierce our hearts. May you encourage where we need to be encouraged. May you challenge where we need to be challenged. And may you convict us where we need to be convicted. Guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here today, Christmas 2016. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in that passage that I just read, Luke chapter 2. Most of you have heard it, even if you don't, uh, like, weren't in church or don't have a church home or didn't grow up in a church environment. We all have heard it. I mean, from, from Charlie Brown and that great, like, you know, Christmas story to, um, you know, if you go up to New York City and you uh, go to the Rockettes, that, believe it or not, they still include, all right, they still include the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, believe it or not, in the Rockettes and the Christmas Spectacular up there uh, in New York City. Because what the world understands is even though our society and our culture may pull us to commercialize what God did, the story is still true. What God did by sending Jesus is absolute. And as we wrap this series up today, uh, um, uh, Angels Among Us, we're, we're looking at really what the most important role of the angel, angels were, and that is, is to announce the birth of Jesus to announce what God was going to do by redeeming all of humanity through his son, Jesus. And so this is probably the best birth announcement ever, isn't it? We, we uh, see birth announcements all the time. Uh, we we like have uh, cards that go out. Well, today we don't do it in the form of a card. It's usually an email or something on social media announcing the birth of someone or announcing that someone is pregnant. And, and what I've come to realize is that, you know, my daughter's 12 and my son is nine years old and things have changed even since they were born. Now um, you have an announcement like a reveal about uh, someone who's pregnant, but you also have a reveal to discover what the gender of that child is. And so that is a whole big thing, right? Isn't that true? Like, that's a growing thing. Believe it or not, yeah, it's true. It's true. So that's what goes on in our society. But this was the greatest birth announcement ever given by God's heavenly hosts that were there, as we discovered over the past few weeks, doing his work, doing his kingdom work. And, and throughout history, no announcement of anyone's birth has ever been weightier. It's never been heavier. It's never meant more than the announcement that the angels brought to the shepherds. Now, there have been some announcements of a birth that have gone terribly wrong. And, and in the lead-up to today's message, I found quite a few of them, and most of them I, I can't tell you in church, okay? So, but there's one that I, I found particularly funny. This is the one guy who wrote about a birth announcement gone wrong. He, he wrote this online in a story. He said, one morning I got into my car to go to work, and I looked over my shoulder to, my, to back out of my driveway, and my wife had put one of those baby-on-board tags up in her back windshield of her car. Well, at first I was confused as to why it was there, and then I looked up and I saw my wife in the doorway watching me. I smirked, I rolled my eyes, shook my head, and I left for work. He writes, when I got home, I love how all the ladies laughed and the guys groaned there. That was great. That was a great response. He said, when I got home, she was giving me the silent treatment. When I asked, she said that she was mad at me and disappointed in my reaction to the news. 
I asked, what news? She said that I'm pregnant. I laughed. She thought she was being clever, but I thought she was teasing me, calling me a baby, because that's what she called me all throughout our marriage. I love that birth announcement gone wrong. Isn't that great? See, now you feel sorry for him, don't you? <laughs> I love that one. That was awesome. I'd love to meet that guy. This was the greatest birth announcement ever. And it's interesting that the angels, these beings that we discovered a few weeks ago, that God created for his glory and to further his kingdom, were going to announce for the first time ever, listen to this, to the world, they were going to announce for the first time ever to the world that Jesus was born. And the people that God chose to make this announcement to were, you can say it with me, shepherds. Why would God choose shepherds to be the very first people that would hear the good news of what had happened in the birth of Jesus? Well, last week we talked about the predictive message that the angels brought to the parents of John the Baptist and to Jesus. And in doing so, we discovered that part of the role of God's angels was uh, to, to bring voice to what he was doing all throughout history and through creation and through redemption. That was part of the role of the angels was to have a predictive voice. And we see that several times, but no, most notably, we see it in the Christmas story and the announcement or the message that the angel Gabriel brings to Zechariah and to Elizabeth and to Joseph and to Mary. And we discovered that last week. Well, today, we're taking a look at the second part of that voice. And it's not just an individual announcement to a small group of people, but in this, we see this great present and public announcement of the birth of the Savior, a present announcement. We have a predictive message and a present announcement. But why in the world would that announcement come to shepherds? I want you to, to feel and sense and, and understand the irony, the, the, the stark contrast in announcing this great thing to shepherds. L listen to, to what shepherds were known for in that day and age. In that day and age, the, these people had an occupation that was incredibly dirty, were known, especially in the Jewish community, as extremely unclean people because their role was so dirty, their job, their profession was so incredibly dirty. And so these men, that the, the, the great announcement of Jesus' birth, were generally seen as unclean. They were seen as generally dirty and dusty and and, and in some case, they had to do terrible things in their job. They would have been like on dirty jobs that showed dirty jobs. Like, they would have been the top role. They were lonely. They lived in, in loneliness and in isolation in, in most cases. Uh, mainly, you thought of shepherds in that day and age of, as people who were homeless. They were generally considered dishonest because in many cases they had to do dishonest things to, to keep their living and keep their, their livelihood up and, and be able to eat for themselves and take care of themselves. They were general, generally nomadic people. They, they moved from place to place. And it's interesting in Luke chapter 2, we see the shepherds 
as it describes, as Luke, the, the author of this gospel message, as we see him described, they were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks, verse 8 says in Luke chapter 2. That was particularly interesting, and the reason it was interesting is typically in that day and age, shepherds would have their, their, their flocks out in a field, and they would be traveling during the months of, of March through November, during the warmer months, during a climate and a period of time that was warmer. And so it's interesting that the angels appear to these shepherds during a period of time that they're far from the village that they might have been in under normal circumstances or the city or the town that they might have been in in normal circumstances. And it also lends credibility to the fact that most theologians believe that Jesus wasn't born in December. That was a, that was a holiday as the church grew that we made up to kind of like combat the, the negative things that were going on in the world of that day during this time of year, the evil celebration that were going on, pagan celebrations that were going on, and that's why we celebrated on December 25th. But in reality, Jesus was probably born in the springtime, most experts believe, most theologians believe. And, and here we have this great announcement and this great writing by Luke, and, and, and we see that these shepherds were out in their fields, and so we know that this was during that time of year that they would have been out, they would have been traveling, they would have been moving from place to place during this warmer time of year. Shepherds were generally, listen, I don't want you to miss this. Shepherds were generally considered outcasts, and they were considered one of the most like dirty, ugly, and even sinful people. And that's exactly why God chose to have his angels bring this great announcement of the birth of the Savior to shepherds. Because they represent exactly, exactly why God and for whom God was redeeming mankind in the first place. They were exactly the representation of why God decided to come to earth and why he decided to redeem us in the first place. And we all are like shepherds in, in some form or fashion. We're all like shepherds in, in a lot of ways because our sin and our failure and our shortcomings and the things that we do to disappoint God is the exact reason why he sent Jesus in the first place. And so at first glance, when we wonder why in the world would the angels give this great announcement to the shepherds, we wonder why in the world them. But as we look at it from a big perspective, and we're going to discover here in a moment, it's exactly the way that God intended it. And so we see there in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that this great announcement comes to a people who needed it the most. And I believe what God was saying is that no one, no one is beyond the reach of God's redemption. No one is beyond the reach of God's redemption. Redemption. Now, we're going to take a look at this announcement in detail over the next few minutes together. And I want you to notice that this announcement of the angels and the shepherd's response follows a pattern that is established all the way back in the Old Testament of angels announcing the birth of someone. All throughout the Old Testament, now into the New Testament, we see the angels announcing a birth. And here's how this generally went. There was an announcement by the angels. There was a fearful response by the one receiving the announcement. 
Then thirdly, there was like a, a reassurance, a gen, gentle kind of like comforting reassurance that everything's going to be fine. We talked about how um, all the people that, that encountered the angels and the message that Jesus would come to save the world were filled with fear. And we see the same thing right here. There was the actual message that they were to bring. And then there was um, the objection or, or the request for a sign like, hey, show me what you're saying is true. And then finally, there was the providing of a sign. Well, we see that generally followed. Check this out in verse chapter 9. We see here the appearance and the fear part of that. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Just like Mary, just like Zechariah, who went silent for nine months, they were filled with fear. And they were filled with great fear. Now there's a comforting reassurance in verse 10. Check this out. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. We're going to talk about that in a moment. The divine message comes in in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we see that's the divine message. That God was going to come and he was going to save humanity contained in that one little verse is the whole gospel message. We'll talk about that in a moment. And, and then we skip the objection. It's really interesting in this case that the shepherds don't put up any objection, nor do they ask for a sign. And we don't know if um, that is the case because they really had the faith to believe that what was happening is true. Or if the angel just kept on speaking and provided them a sign anyway. Because look at verse 12. He says, this will be a sign for you, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so there we have in that the, the, the kind of setting of, of what was going on and, and, and the, the whole like announcement of, of the angels of the birth of Jesus. But I want you to take a look at the kind of preamble, the lead up to this in detail, and then the announcement itself. Check out... Uh, In verse 10, we hear this, or we see this. The angel said to these shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, I want you to say those next two words with me, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, it's interesting that they use the phrase good news. And that is such a heavy, important phrase that they use or word that they used in the original language. And so Luke is writing this in, in Greek. And so the Greek word for the noun form of good news is euangelion, which is the noun form for good news or gospel message. And so anytime you hear that phrase used in the New Testament or anytime you hear it today in today's society, you might hear somebody say, man, I want to share the gospel. That word is the noun form of, of Good news, euangelion, and that literally means good news. Now, how much good news do we have today? (laughs) As Andrea just mentioned, very little. Very little. And it seems like for some reason around the holidays, we may personally receive some bad news occasionally. And the angels are coming to these men who are kind of known as, like, you know, as Paul said about him, the chief of sinners, these dirty, like, ugly, like, people who had this lowly occupation. And they're bringing to these men and to the world good news, euangelion, the gospel message. I, I love this because the verb form of that word is euangelizo, which literally means 
to share or to communicate that good news. And so we have those two things that go hand in hand. And we get a very common English word that we use in the church world that businesses have kind of caught on to, evangelism. That is literally where the word evangelism comes from. And so the church has used this for ages because it comes right from Scripture, right from God's Word to communicate what style church you are or what our job is. And that's the kind of church we are. Our mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ. That first part of our mission statement is evangelism. It's taking the good news and spreading it and announcing it. And that's our role, that's our job, that's our mission as a church. Uh, Businesses have caught on to this, and Microsoft in particular, years ago, I don't know if they have this anymore, but they actually took their notes from the church and from the Bible, believe it or not. I don't think they knew they were doing that, by the way, but they started an evangelism department. Isn't that interesting? They had a department of evangelism. They wanted to spread their good news. Well, i got to tell you, this good news is so much better. This is the best news that has ever come to humanity. And so we see this whole idea of us spreading the good news and the angels were there to spread the good news. And so they come to the shepherds and they said, we bring you the gospel message, good news. We announce it to you. We we bring this to you. We evangelize to you. We tell you that this is good news. And then they use a phrase, great joy, great joy. And so they're talking to these shepherds, and what they're telling these shepherds is is that you will receive joy from this. Just like when the angel came to Zechariah and announced the birth of John the Baptist, he said you will receive joy. And that was an individual joy, but what the angels were announcing here is that this was a joy for the whole world. And that's why we sing the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. That's why we lift that up, is because what the angels were bringing to the shepherds that day applied globally. It applied across time. That God was going to do something that was good news and that would bring great joy. And then lastly, we see that this good news that would bring great joy is for all people. All people. Now, it's interesting because Luke uses um, the, 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 the way that he writes this is he indicates that the the Jewish people were the first recipients, and he uses the singular form. And so the good news was to come to the Jewish people, but throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke and throughout all the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that this good news went first to the Jews, and then it went to the Gentiles, the Greeks. And so in using this phrase, even though he indicates that it's to the Jews first here, the way that he writes it, he also is indicating that this was a message that was to go beyond God's chosen people. It was supposed to go beyond God's chosen people. It was to go to, literally, all people. To the Jews first, and then to all the people. This was a message that was not exclusive. This was a message that was not exclusive to one group of people. It was not exclusive to one race or one demographic or one socioeconomic uh, part of society. This was good news that was for all people. A non-exclusive, in fact, an inclusive message. Dr. Butler, who is one of the authors of the Holman Bible Commentary, uh, communicates a story in his writing on on this passage of Luke, and I want to share this story because it really drives home what this gospel message was intended for. I love this story. He said this. He wrote this. 
He says, I'll never forget Booker, though I cannot remember his exact name. I was in the fifth grade. I drove with my parents by a school on the other side of town. There, everything seemed different. Everything seemed different. Only black people populated that school. All the teachers, all the parents, all the students, they were all black. And there among them stood my friend, Booker. He had been the savior of our little league baseball team. We counted on him to win every single game he pitched. No one could hit his fastball, and the pitch they didn't want to see was his curveball. When not pitching, he started at shortstop and the plate. He was the center of our team. But that afternoon, it dawned on me that something was wrong. You see, I could play ball all summer with Booker and other black friends, but come fall, we had to say our goodbyes, go our separate ways, and get our separate educations. This practice eventually led Booker to leave West Texas and live with relatives in New Mexico, where he could go to the, uh, uh, to the school uh, wherever he desired. Even later, it dawned on me that Booker, I want you to capture this, was not welcomed where I worshipped either. As a teenager dedicated to the ministry, I could go preach in, in the mission where he could worship, but I could not invite Booker and his friends to my own church. And then this author, Dr. Butler, says this. From his birth on, Jesus came with a resounding, resounding note that clashed with the culture of his day. He was the Savior not just of the Jews, but of all the people. Whoever believes on him will be saved. Jews far beyond the fifth grade saw no problem at all in excluding everyone else from salvation. They could not hear Jesus' message about salvation for the entire world. A visit to our churches today makes one wonder how well we have heard the message. Have we excluded from salvation all who do not belong to our social class, our side of town, our race, our clothing standards? Luke should threaten the church today. It still calls out good news of great joy for, I want you to say it with me, all people. And I just want to take a moment, Hilton Head Island Community Church, and say if you and I give up the idea that the gospel message that these angels announced were for all people. We might as well just pack it up. Call it a day. Sell the building and everything. Because his gospel message was for everyone. It was for everyone. It was for those who look just like you and those who look just the opposite of you. It's for those who are in the same socioeconomic um, uh, part of society and those who are in completely the opposite. It's for those who live by the same values and for those who live by opposite values. God sent Jesus and made this great announcement using the angels to announce that his good news was for all people. And that when anyone accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior, they're grafted in with God's chosen people. That we join together with what God was doing through the redemption of society. And so, yes, even in the preamble, the angels are announcing something that is so vitally important. 
Now, let's take a look at the announcement itself as we close today. In verse 11, we see this great announcement. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And through this message, we hear these angels announcing to the shepherds, but also announcing to the whole world that there is coming or there has come one who is a personal Savior unto you, unto you. That's why we say Jesus can be your personal Savior if you accept him. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. In saying that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, uh, the, the angel's announcement was confirming that the prophecy of old was true because it had been prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in that, the, the angel's announcements list three titles for Jesus. Savior, he's Christ, and he's Lord. Savior speaks to what Jesus would do for us. He came to save us from our sins. Christ is a title that describes who Jesus was for us. It means uh, the, the chosen one. And it was different than king because king could have applied to many different people. But there was only one chosen one. There was only one Messiah. And the angels were announcing to the world that this, this is the one. This is the one. And that last one, Christ our Lord, describes who Jesus becomes to us once we accept him as our Savior. You see, he is our Savior, he's our Christ, and then he becomes our Lord once we begin to follow him. And so in that announcement, the whole gospel is contained. They were announcing to the world and to these shepherds that the Savior had come, the Savior Come. Now check this out in verses 15 through 18 and find out what the shepherds do. And here's our action item. Here's our bottom line for you and me this morning. Here's how it applies to us. Check this out. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the things that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. There are three things that they did here. First and foremost, they decided amongst themselves, it is time to go. It's time to go. I've, I've always wondered, like, because they went with such great haste, they decided right then and there that this message was so important that it was time to go. And that word, that phrase, let's go, in the original language means they went right through. They did not stop. They didn't tarry. They didn't stop to smell the roses. They went right to Bethlehem. And I wonder, when they went with haste, and that's the second thing they did, I wonder what happened to the sheep. Have you ever thought about that? Like, did these guys split so fast they just left that, left that you know, flock behind? What did they do with the sheep? Think about that and get back to me. Okay, the third thing that they did is they made known the message. They made known the message. And I think the lesson for you and I in this is that the angels and the shepherds in this great story of the announcement of the birth of the Savior, both the angels and the shepherds give us a great example and a great call to evangelize ourselves. They give us a great reason why you and I should be about the business and the job 
of spreading the good news of Jesus, of communicating that great news that will bring great joy to all people. This gives us the foundation of what you and I are supposed to be about. It gives us the reason why we should go and tell others about the Savior. And if someone hadn't told you, or if someone hadn't brought you to church or told you about Jesus, you may not have had the opportunity to accept the redemption that God offers through His Son. The one that we celebrate at Christmas. And so it's our role, it's our job, it's our mission, not just as a church, but each one of us who call ourselves Christ followers. I realize that there are dozens of different personalities, different temperaments, different approaches. Some of you, when I say that, you cringe. I get it. You break out and sweat. Oh, man, I can't do that. That's not me. I'm not good at it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand that. You know what you can do that is so not invasive? You can invite someone to church. You can invite someone to church. If your church home is here, invite them here. If your church home is somewhere else, invite them there. In Ohio or Michigan, probably, Indiana. You can invite them to your church. Bring them to church. Bring them to a church that gives this gospel message, that communicates it so that they can hear it and have the opportunity to accept themselves. You know, there have been some really horrible news announcements through the ages. But there have also been a few winners. One day, there was an announcement that mankind had landed on the moon, right? I don't remember that one. Some of you in here do. That's cool. All right, good. (laughs) I remember this one. The Berlin Wall came crashing down. I remember that one. There have been some great announcements. One of the great announcements in our country's history was the announcement of the Emancipation Proclamation. Slavery was now illegal. And those who had been enslaved for years and generations were freed. You and I might make an announcement about something that happens to us personally, a win that we have, a victory that we have. Those of you who are are sports fans, you might go announce the the, the great news about your team winning a great championship or game. But we so often, here's what I want you to hear as we close. We so often fail to announce the greatest news story ever to come to humanity. And that is the birth of God's son. The one who came to save us from our sins. And that's what the angels were doing that day that they showed up to these shepherds these lowly, humble men out in the field. And we should walk in that model. We should answer that call. If you're a Christ follower today, I want to encourage you. Your church puts a huge emphasis in Christmas Eve. Um, This coming Friday and Saturday, um, we have our Christmas Eve services. Um, One is on Christmas Eve Eve. I tell people, that's a thing. We made it up. That is a thing, okay? At 7 o'clock, one at 3, 4.30, and 6. And in a, as powerful and excellent of a way as we can provide, we will give the opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their Savior. And my action item for you today is as you leave, our guest service 
folks will be passing out a card or two to each of you. Take one and invite someone. Listen, here's your job. Here's your task and your challenge today. Invite one person that you know doesn't have a church home. Invite one person. Hand this card to one person in your life and follow up and call them and pray for them. One person that doesn't have a church home. And you can be a part of what the angels were announcing that day. Good news. Great joy to all people. Father God, I pray that you would be with each one of us who are gathered here today, who call ourselves Christ followers. God, may we take seriously this model and essentially a mission that you gave us with the angel's announcement to do what they did, to follow in their example of letting people know this greatest news story ever to come to humanity. God, may we allow the weightiness of what you did by sending your son to be born there in a stable, in a manger, and then 33 years later to be nailed to a similar wooden cross. God, may we take that mission seriously. As we look at the angels and what they did all throughout creation, God, not only should we have a, an awareness of what they're doing all the way back then and even in our lives now, not only should we have an awareness of their job in our lives to guide us and to guard us and to lead us as you see fit under your authority. May we not just see the message that they brought announcing John the Baptist's birth and your birth, but God, may we realize that they were brought to this earth to make the greatest announcement ever, and may we follow in their footsteps. May we be like those shepherds who with haste and urgency and passion went to Bethlehem to see this baby and then went beyond there to share this good news. May we be about that as well, and may your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us as we do that this week. In your name we pray, amen.